So my name is Nathaniel Johnson, this is my wife C, and we pastor Outpost Church. This is our worship leader Katie Penning, my daughter Annabelle, my daughter Annalise, and thank you all for being, for being here. At this time we're not doing any video recording or, or uh, YouTube, anything like that, 
but we do, but we are doing audio recording of, of, of all our services. And uh, we have two audio podcasts. We didn't get a recording last week. Something went wrong. So, <clears throat> so there's no recording last week. But if you go to our website, which is outpostchurch.life, there's um, on the on the listen page you can hear all of our messages. I have about half a dozen short messages up there already. Um, a few things that I've been able to preach this year, and then um, there's Pastor John uh, from Lake Elmo talking about the vision of our church and the outpost prophecy and the, the the vision for the River Valley, things like that. But every week the message is going to be up on the up on the, the Outpost Church podcast. So if you have an iPhone, it's on Apple Podcasts. And if you have an Android phone, it's on Spotify. Okay? We have an additional app, or an additional uh, podcast called Light Up the Valley. And I put messages up there every week. But that's from all of our churches in the River Valley. That's um, going to be uh, Lighthouse over in St. Croix Falls and Impact Church in New Richmond. Engage Church way down in Prescott, um, soon to be Foundations Church in Bethel, Minnesota, St. Paul Resource Center in St. Paul, and River Valley Christian Church in Lake Elmo. So, and and God's God's adding more churches to us, more. Um, yeah, we're just we're just establishing places where when revival sweeps the valley, people have a place to go to church. And so what we're doing now is um, we're, we're just making, you know, establishing that place. And I'm excited about that. Um, I've gotten this room in the library reserved through the new year. So that's, that's a good thing. And, and then... Um, we, I, I'm still looking for a place for us to meet on November 12th because uh, the second Sunday of November we're I'm not sure about that yet um, they're, they're going to be holding local elections in here <clears throat> um, in um, second Tuesday of November so so November 12th that what follows that they're cleaning the carpets in here and, and so we're going to find another place to meet for that day so we'll let you know about that. And that's all I've got for for announcements. Anybody have any testimonies? Anything God did for you this week? You know, it takes the grace of God just to roll out of bed in the morning and <coughs> know where you are and find the door and come to church. It does. It really does. If God lifted his grace off of our life, we wouldn't be able to do anything. It takes the grace of God to just, you know, know what to say next. And I'm, I'm, st I still feel like I'm coming around the learning curve with, <laughs> with, with preaching. Do you have anything? So we prayed with her and the 
my dad's second wife. once again here is, is 500 people and and God's going to bring them and we're also going to be planting a church in Rush City and uh, this place is going to be a salvation station where people can, can, can come and, and find God and get saved and it's um, it's going to be good I'm going to go straight over to, to our offering and I put I put at least two envelopes in every in every row. If you need more, anybody need extra envelopes? They're right there. Um, if you need an envelope, raise your hand. Um, and can we get the offering slide up, please? Did it work? Oh, there it is. Look at that. So. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 8. Do you okay back here? Second Corinthians chapter nine, um, starting in verse six. But this I say: He which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. This is about giving and receiving. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly. Or of necessity, not because you're forced into it or under duress or anything, but give as he purposes in his heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. With God, everything is about the heart. Um, if you can't give from your heart, um, you're, you're, you're better off not giving. God, With God, everything is about our heart. It's not just... Um, obeying a set of rules and and saying, look, I, I lined up with this rule and this rule and this rule and this rule. It it's um it has to be coming from our heart. People in the Old Testament would give or or would would for them that was all about following rules. Because they didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside of them. Um, it was just very legalistic. It was it was, you know, you're be in compliance with all the rules. And if you're not, then you could be in trouble with Moses. But but with God, everything is about our heart. Our, our worship to him, our, um, our prayer, our reading the Bible. If I'm reading the Bible legalistically just because I have to read the Bible and I don't get anything out of it, that doesn't do me any good at all. Um, I was talking to my son, Henry. Um, he's like, I'm, I'm behind on my Bible reading. I, and so I, I need to catch up, and I need to read, you know, I need to catch up for all these days of Bible reading that I'm behind. I said, Henry, that's not going to help you. You know, if you missed five meals, you, you don't 
try to go eat five meals so you can catch up before dinner time. It, you just you, you just pick up right. You, you just start again. You just pick up right where you left off. Um, but with God, everything's about the heart. Verse eight: God's able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So, Lord, we just thank you for your your, your goodness to us and your faithfulness to us. And we, we give to you this morning cheerfully. In Jesus' name, amen. The places where we give, we have a we have a box up front here. And while we while we worship, if you have something, cash or check, it can go in the box. Otherwise, we're give, we can give online and then there's a, a mailing address as well.
talk about uh, what kind of church, what kind of church are we? I was, um, when I was working this week, I had a, I wound up in conversation with, with, with a lady and told her we were starting a church. And, and she's like, oh, well, what kind of church are you? And I thought, and have you, have you ever left a conversation and then realized, and then you, you get a better answer after you leave the conversation, like, oh, I should have said it like this, yeah. or I, I should have said it like that. Um, I think I probably told her, I said, well, we're, you know, we're um, kind of a, a Pentecostal church, you know, um, non-denominational, but I, I hate the word non-denominational, that tells you that's telling people what you're not instead of what you are. And so that that doesn't really work either. Um, but God started to put, after that conversation, God started to kind of put together in my heart a good way to, a good way to say that. And so, so that's what I wanna talk about today. We are Christians. Um, not a traditional denomination, that's for sure. You know, not Methodist or Lutheran or Presbyterian or Catholic. We preach the Bible, we believe the Bible, without watering it down, which means we believe in absolute truth, and that we believe the, the Word of God as it's written, which is a high standard. But then at the same time, we don't take that standard to beat people up or, or, or condemn them if they're not living up to it, which means we, we leave room for the grace of God. Um, there's people, um, people are hard enough on themselves without uh, without us following in and, and trying to condemn them. And that's not the spirit of Jesus anyway. Um, we all know John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What's the verse right after that? Verse 17 says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. People are sinners, they know they're sinners. If they're messed up, they know they're messed up. If they're lost, they're still trying to figure things out. So we're not here with the word of God trying to preach righteousness and, and, and condemn people over their sin. Their, their, their own heart condemns them already. Um, so, God sent not his son in the world, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So what we're talking about is preaching the Bible without watering it down, and yet showing people the grace of God. In, um, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, am I standing in front of this? I should move here. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, 
who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And it's always the devil that's the accuser of the brethren. That even after we're saved, um, tries to find fault with us and accuse us before God. Revelation chapter 12 says that... Um, Revelation 12 says that the, um, John says, Now I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So, um, We don't use the word shame. Um, I've, I've taken that word out of my vocabulary. I never say shame on you, even to the, the cat. Okay, we don't we don't, we don't want to put shame on people. It, if if people are feeling bad about themselves, I don't pile on and try to make them feel worse. It it causes them to to it can paralyze folks and cause them to not be able to to function. Um, so, about the, the Word of God being our, our standard, let me see what I've got here, and not, and not watering it down, it's, it's like this, I got a, a couple things to say about that. Um, there's, there's many promises in the Word of God, things that I haven't seen yet in my own life, uh, things that I haven't been able, that, that, that I haven't done yet, or promises I haven't received, or experiences maybe that I haven't had yet. Um, but they're in the Bible, and they're, and, and they're waiting for me. And so part of not watering down the Word of God is that if my experience in this life so far doesn't match what I see in the Word of God, I don't water down the Word to make it match my lack of experience. Okay? We believe this, and I trust God to elevate my experience to match the, the, the level of His Word. You know, saying that I can, I can, you know, lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Or I can speak with new tongues. Or I can, um, see God move a mountain out of the way for me. Uh, or uh, I can walk in, in boldness that I, I haven't seen before. Or, um, you know, get to places in prayer that I haven't been before. There's many things that are, are beyond where I've been. But if I haven't experienced it, I'll say it again. I don't water the word down to make it match my lack of experience. I just trust God to bring my experience up. You know, like, like we read in the offering, where to, to a place where I have all sufficiency of all things, so I can give to pretty much anything. Um, you know, imagine being able to do that, being, have, being so wealthy that you can just um, give, you, you're, that, that you're not... Um, 
like, okay, well, we support three ministries, and that's it. That's all we can do. No, we can. Uh, God can, can can bring us beyond all of these things. Another point about the Word of God, and not uh, you know the Word of God being absolute truth, and not compromising it, is is in Psalm one thirty eight. Let me read that. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. God's made his word even greater than, than his name, and that's where he can be depended upon and, and, and counted on. Uh, a lot of people look at their lack of experience of, of things in the Bible and say, well, um, you know, this, this, this really good person died. God is sovereign. God must have been behind it. It must have been the will of God and, and, and so forth. What? You got a testimony? No. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Was that the sovereign will of God for the bird to hit the window? No. A lot of things happen that aren't the will of God. You see? I just went to a funeral yesterday, and a, a pastor friend of ours, the man just passed away. He was, he was our pastor of our church over in St. Croix Falls. You know? Way too young. It was, it, it was really sad. Okay? It doesn't mean that it's not God's will to heal us all the time. Okay? Um, only God knows what's going on in somebody's heart, and we don't judge anybody. And, and honestly, uh, God doesn't override people's will. You know, if someone, you know, has been hurting and fighting something for a long, long time, and, and, and if they decide deep down in their heart, I would rather go to heaven right now than try to rehabilitate out of this, if, if that's their will, God will honor their will and, and, and receive them to glory. Yeah. Um, but um, there, you, you hear a lot about the sovereignty of God. And this is the balance to it. You know, they'll say, okay, well, God is all-powerful and he's sovereign, okay? Sovereign means he can do anything he wants to do. Here's the balance to that. God is sovereign outside his word, not inside his word, okay? A sovereign God has sovereignly chosen to give us his word. And once he gives us his word on something, he keeps his word. He doesn't change. He, he says, I'll not you know, alter the thing that's, that's gone off my lips. Once he gives us his word on, on something, that never changes. He says, I'm the Lord, and I change not. Jesus Christ, book of Hebrews says, is the same yesterday and today and forever. So on those things in the Bible where God has given us his word, 
we can nail him down on this, 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 and this. It's in the word. He's, he's given us his, that's where we can, what we can count on, okay? If there's something that's outside, that, that's not in the Bible, yeah, then, then he's, he's still free. He still has latitude to do anything he wants to do outside the word. But inside the word, we, we, know we, we know we have a covenant with God. There's benefits to the covenant. And we know, we know where we can trust him. And that's, um, you know, a mighty fortress is our God. I got another verse about that. That's um, in Isaiah 57. Verse 15. Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place. With him also that's of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Okay. Um, a companion scripture to that would be in... Uh, James chapter 4. James is right after the book of Hebrews. And James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Okay. So God likes humble people, all right? But if, if I get into pride, then God will start resisting me. Then I won't, I won't have access to the grace of God to do the things I need to do. If I think it's all me and I can do it, um, then, then God's going to be resisting me. But if I humble myself, then I can be very close to God. Okay? So there's an example of, of um, taking God at his word, and I know that if I position my heart in a place of humility before God, then I'm going to have access to him. I'm going to be able to hear things from him. I'm going to have access to his grace. It's always the humble that get the grace. Pride always goes before a fall, and a haughty spirit before destruction. But... Um, humility opens us to the grace of God. And so there, there we have something where we can nail God down on, on that and, and know where we can begin trusting him. Because faith always begins where the will of God is known. I can't trust God for something that I, I, I don't know his will on. Okay? Some people are not able to pray in faith for healing because they honestly don't know. Am I getting some feedback somewhere? The, they, they honestly don't know if it's the will of God to, to, to heal them. Okay? But I can't, have, I can't have faith for something or trust God in an area if I don't know his will. But if he's made it very, very apparent and clear in his will, or in, in 
if he's made it very apparent in his word that healing is his will for me, then, then I know that I'm on solid ground resisting sickness and that I can trust God to steadily recover. Right, Dennis? This man's been healed of cancer. How many years ago? How many, how many years ago did you recover? Still with us. Look at here. Glory to God. That's a whole testimony. Yeah. That's good. That's because he went to a church that believed in the healing power of God and didn't say, well, whatever God's will is, I guess it's just going to happen. No, they, they said, no, this sickness is not from God, and we're going to trust God with you to, to, to see you recover. Um, so we're preaching the truth without compromise, and we're not shaming and condemning people, which means we're open in this church to, to the grace of God. Um, there's a talk radio guy I used to listen to sometimes. It was Garage Logic? You remember him? Do you? And and he was I but you know and he I I really liked him. Um, and, and he made a lot of sense. But there was one time he started talking about his upbringing. And he said he grew up as a Catholic boy in Catholic school. And it, it was just like he leaned back from the microphone and was just talking to us on the radio one day. I even remember, I even remember where I was when I heard this. And he said, I don't know about all these modern churches that just it seems like they don't have any standards anymore. They, they don't even call sin, sin. They, um, and, and he, he didn't seem too religious to me, but he was, he was just musing on that, going, something's wrong with this picture. <laughs> and it was, he was just commenting on, you know, it's churches where it's just all about feeling good and, and they're not, it's like they have no more standards or, or don't have any, it was like the righteous standard was gone. And, um, and that's not us. God is, um, the grace of God Anyway, we can hold to the righteous standard of the Word of God and preach, preach the Bible the way the way that it's the, the way that it's written. Um, I'd rather hear the truth, even if it's hard sometimes. There's a couple things about uh, about Mac Hammond that that just really I, I've appreciated so much over, over all the years. Uh, he was, he's been my pastor for 25, pushing 30 years um, from age 18 coming up. And one of the things I, I appreciated about him was that he could talk about very, very spiritual things 
including supernatural things and miracles of God and, and praying in the spirit and, and, um, and yet when you listen to the way he presented it, you could tell that you were listening to a guy that had both feet solidly on the ground. He would make it sound uh, so logical and so rational. But it's just reality. It's just, it's just the word of God. And the other thing I appreciate about him was that um, in his uh, teaching, preaching ministry, he could be, with preaching the truth, he could be totally shredding me on the inside with truth that was convicting my heart. But at the same time, deep down it felt good. So the the, the word of God uh, would be correcting me, but deep down on the inside, it's like getting a wound cleaned out. Uh, the Bible talks about the washing of water by the word of God, and it feels it feels good to to let the word of God cleanse our soul in in that way. Um, the grace of God uh, is not about seeing how much I can be like the world and still make it to, and, and still make heaven. Um, there is forgiveness of sins and, and so forth, but but I view the grace of God as divine empowerment to be what we should be and to live as we should live. It's having a divine wind at my back helping me. It's God it's God helping me to live above the world and the flesh and the devil and certainly to pick us up when we fall. But um, that's, how, that's how Jesus came when, when he came to us. Open to John chapter 1. There's two notable qualities of the master when he came. And uh, I've mentioned them already, but it's grace and truth. We need, the, we need the truth of the Word of God as our standard to measure ourselves against, and then we need the grace of God to help us get there. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 14. There we go. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but what? Grace? And truth came by Jesus Christ. I've got one more in Colossians chapter 1 where these two are linked together. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, talking about the gospel which has come unto you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit 
as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and you knew the grace of God in truth. So it's not just the truth of, of, of God, his high and holy standard. If that's all we if that's all we had, it would be like living in the Old Testament again. Here's, here's something about the Lord. When, when we come to him, um, salvation is instantaneous, but sanctification is a process to be walked out for the rest of our life. Okay? And it's, and it's mainly by renewing our mind to the word of God. Okay? When someone comes in and they get born again, for they, they, they give their heart to Jesus, they ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. It gives the Holy Spirit of God permission to come down on the inside of them and regenerate their spirit and make them a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. All things are become new. And um, the God is so is, is so good and so patient with us. When somebody gets saved. They might have 150 things in their life that need to be changed. But he doesn't dump the whole list on you all at the same time. He, you know, he, he'll say, well, you know, hey, you, they, you, 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 you're my son, you're my daughter now, I love you, you're doing good, you gave your heart to me, um, Coming to church, good. Keep coming to church. It's very, very patient. Very. Yeah, I've got this one little thing here. I want you to look at this one little thing. Can you change that for me? Just, just this one little thing right here. And so then we, when we um, respond to God, you know, we make an adjustment. We make a little change. And He said, "Good. You did good." I love you. That's awesome. You're doing good. I got this other little thing over here. If you want to look at this little thing here. He doesn't dump the whole list on you all at the same time. Otherwise, we'd be overwhelmed. It would be like, okay, God, I mean, I'm so far away from your standard. Just shoot me. Put me out of my misery. He, he'll deal with us one little thing at a time. Right? I mean, when you, when you came to church, she had, my wife had had people come alongside her that invited her into a Bible study and just said, keep coming to church. You know? And there were some things that needed to be changed and rearranged and, and refined and focused and so forth. But her, the, the main thing that God was talking to her about was just come to church and keep coming to church. You know? And then, and then as we, as we just as we're obedient to do what he tells us to do, then, um, then, then he starts working in our lives, and, and we, we make we, we make one adjustment, then we can make another adjustment, you know, and then he'll show us, oh yeah, but there's this, this other little thing over here, you know, don't be gossiping anymore, or don't, you know, lying is not for us, okay, you know, you can't do that. And we, we start to we, we start to change. And the people that God can work with are the people that are willing. In Isaiah 1, it says, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But it's God putting us on a path and 
and uh, directing their way. But Jesus came with grace as well, which means when we blow it, reconciliation with God, forgiveness of sins is always available. Where do you find that in the Bible? You know? Huh? Come on, you know this. How do you, how do you repent, Annabelle? Annabelle, repent! How do we do that? 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? You've heard that before. Okay. Meaning, when I come to God without... I mean, he knows all, sees all, right? But, but if I, when, when I come to him and say, I'm sorry, I blew it, I sinned, no excuses. He just wants us to come to him. No excuses. He sees through all, your, all, all our junk anyway, so I, I don't even try to throw any up there. Um, but when we come to him like that, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Meaning that if he did not forgive me, he would be unfaithful. But he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And um, chapter 2 says we have Jesus Christ as our, our advocate with the Father praying for us. Um, but that's how we... That's how we get squared away with God. And so forgiveness is always available, as is the divine, the divine empowerment to live above those things. So I believe in a God that can take an area of weakness in my life and make it an area of strength. Where, where um, things, things that have bothered me or tripped me up or, um, um, you know, again and again and again and again, where he can, he can help me to recover in such a fashion that I'm, that, that I'm, I'm way stronger than I, than, than I used to be. Amen? Um, so... This is um, we talk about a good place to be. Go to Psalm 15. Let's talk a little bit about truth. Um, this is. Uh, Psalms, um, Psalm 15, talking about the integrity of God and the importance of truth. Psalm 15, a psalm of David, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? In the Old Testament, you know where that was? That was the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is still the most hotly contested piece of real estate on earth. 
Who shall abide in your tabernacle? Who, who, who gets to dwell in your holy hill? He that walks uprightly and works righteousness and what speaks the truth in his heart. This is, a, this is an area of safety for you. Obviously, we're supposed to speak the truth and always be truthful with, with, with everybody all the time, okay? Uh, the devil is, the, is, is a liar, murderer from the beginning. Jesus said he's a liar and a father of lies, okay? So we don't lie. As Christians, you can't lie. No such thing. It's, it's just to act that way is to, is, is to be like the devil. As a Christian, you have two options, not three. Two. Speak the truth or say nothing. That's it. But that's, you know, towards towards other people. I need to tell myself the truth, too. And people that get into spiritual danger are people that will get into an area of sin and then convince themselves that it's not sin, or that it's, or this is not bad, okay? That's overriding your conscience, that's ignoring the word of God, and, and that is a doorway to deception. When someone um, does, when someone ceases to call sin, sin, ceases to call right, right, and wrong, wrong, uh, they're in a spiritual danger zone. And the reason they are is, is because when you, when you do that, you're, you can deceive your own heart. James chapter 1 says that if we're a doer of the word, or if, 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 if we hear the word of God but we don't do it, then you, 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 you can deceive your own heart. And that's... Uh, that's a dangerous place to be. That's how people get to the point where there's obvious wickedness and they don't see anything wrong with the picture. Right? Um, you know, I, I talked about, we, we, we prayed for Israel, you know, and uh, terrorists come in and they, they cut heads off and they... they murder people and do terrible, terrible things and, and we still have folks saying that they have, they don't really see a problem with that. That's somebody that is so uh, callous to the truth and so deceived it, it's I don't want to be anywhere close to, to, to that place. Um, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two is another good example. It talks about the Second Thessalonians chapter two. Yeah. <laughs> it talks about people being deceived by the Antichrist. If you don't know who that is, that's um, A world leader that's not on the scene yet um, and can't be until we're out of here but he uh, 
but he he comes to world power. Anyone that has ever anyone that has ever tried to rule the world has always been evil. If we're talking about you know way going way back in history, you know Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, <laughs> Napoleon, Hitler, um, you know any anybody like that, and any agenda that that tries to drive the world towards towards a new world order, one world government, that's 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 the spirit of Antichrist. That is that's against uh, the will and the plan of God. Now it's prophesied that it will eventually happen and a lot of people will be deceived. But it says something very interesting about the people that are deceived, okay? Um, talks about um, Okay, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two verse seven um, says the mystery of iniquity is already at work. Only he who now uh, letteth uh, it actually means restrained. Yeah, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now holds back. Um, that's a better phrase. Will hold back until he's taken out of the way. This is the spirit-filled church right here that's holding back the agenda of, of, um, of Satan in, in the world to create a new world order. And, as, and light dispels darkness, and as long as we're here, we are the light of the world, and God literally has to remove us from this planet in order for that agenda to go forward. In the meantime, they're always trying, but but uh, politically they are the mud that we are the mud they have to swim through, and we, we make it hard for them. <laughs> but eventually, eventually this is this this is going to happen, and the the, the spirit filled praying church is taken out of the way. And as soon as it is, then there's no longer any check on lawlessness and darkness. If if we think darkness is moving rapidly now. When the church is taken out of the earth in the rapture, darkness is going to be able to sweep over the land uh, and just be totally unstoppable. It says in verse 8, Then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with powers, power, and signs, and lie, lying wonders. Okay. Um, just because something is supernatural does not mean it's of God. You need to know that. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, check this out, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Go back to the previous verse. Okay? Here's God with his word giving us truth. But if I push this truth away from myself, if I, he gives me truth, but if I push it away, there's, if I push this away, there's nothing else for me to believe except something that's a lie. Okay? That's, 
That's what happens here. They receive not the love of the truth. There's nothing else to believe except something that's totally false. Next verse. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. God will eventually, when, when you push against your conscience and against what you know is right, and you persist that way, your heart can become hard to the point where, uh, I mean, sin not only binds people, but it blinds them as well. And uh, people will actually start believing delusions things that are totally false. And one and the characteristic of, of uh, being deceived, when someone is truly deceived, check this out, someone that's truly deceived doesn't know that they are. They think they're right. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said in John 16, the spirit of truth is the, is the Holy Spirit, and I'm sending him to you, and he will guide you into all the truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. And so... This is, um, this is something very serious to pay attention to. Um, the, more, the more the world changes, the more we need to hold on to those things that never change. And that's, and that's the word of God. Okay? There's a Jewish rabbi that that's his, his quote almost every time I hear him. The more the world changes, the more we need to hold on to those things that never change. And, uh, and that's, that's the word of God. Um, so, so what kind of church are we? We're a Christian church. I'm trying to keep on making this more simple for myself as well. We're a Christian church. Point number two, we believe the Bible without watering it down because we love the truth. But number three, we don't use God's holy standard to shame or condemn anybody. But extending the grace of God to them, bringing them in, and letting God start working in their life, okay? So following the example of the ministry of Jesus where he came in the fullness of time and, he, and his, his ministry was marked by, by grace and truth, I want to look at that one more time. John chapter 1. Yeah, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We have a lot to be thankful for in this in this new covenant. Um, part of teaching at the beginning of this church is just laying the foundation for um, basic things 
in Christianity, but they've never been taught here. And so when people start coming here to this church, uh, they're going to be able to find uh, teaching available right away about about being born again, about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, about um, um, how to start growing in the Christian life, and uh, and and just how to how to get established in in their faith. Okay, and this goes beyond us. So so just a, a couple thoughts about about salvation itself, and I'm winding down here. center of the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? God provides salvation through Jesus for the whole world. Uh, it says in 1 Timothy 2 that it's not his will that, that any should perish, but that everybody should be saved. Okay? But God is a... He... God's system of, of justice is, is really amazing. Um, in Psalm 101, you don't have to turn there, but I'll just read it quickly. Psalm 101, uh, the psalmist, it's probably David, says... Yeah, it is. David. I will sing of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. Okay? God's a God of mercy. He's also a God of, of judgment or justice. Okay? I could say it that way. So how can God be a God of, of mercy and justice at the same time? It's because he allows in, in our redemption, he allowed Jesus, the innocent Lamb of God, to step in and take the, the judgment of God that we deserved. Um, he allowed the innocent to stand in for the guilty and be judged with the sin of every person in every generation past, present, and future. He allowed the innocent to stand in for the guilty. So um, sin is, a, is a, a, a violation of God's law. And where there's a violation of law, justice needs to be satisfied. If justice, you know, if, if the law is violated and, there's, and no punishment is, is dealt out anywhere, and justice is not satisfied. So punishment needs to land somewhere because God's law has been broken. Okay? But God allowed Jesus to, to step in and take the punishment for, for our sin. It's a, it's a substitution. And so the, he was judged for, for all of our sin 
full wrath of God came down on him. It says in Isaiah 53, it pleased the Lord to crush him. So justice was served and satisfied. But then God gives us mercy, which is what we, we don't deserve at, at the same time. Um, yeah, that's how that works. Over in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. We'll read about this. says that if, um, here we go, let's read it up here, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. This is your, your spiritual signature. Um, in the natural, in, in this world, the way we do business, Everyone's always looking for a signature where you sign for something, okay? And even with computers now, um, how many have had to put down a digital or a, you know, you sign on your computer screen or something and the signature gets transferred over to the party it needs to go to? Well, uh, in the world of the spirit, everything is about words. God made this whole earth with words. And in the, in the spirit, our, your voice is your spiritual signature. That's what your, your voice establishes things in your life. Um, Proverbs talks about the fruit of your lips producing you know, satisfaction in your life. And, uh, and so a signature makes things official. This is how you come into the family of God. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that he rose from the dead. But believing that isn't enough. A lot of people believe that, but they've never taken the next step and asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. Okay? Um, and so, when I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, or that, or that Jesus is my Lord, and I believe that God raised him from the dead, Bible says, thou shalt be saved. I will be saved. Let's go to the next verse. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That's how that works. Faith is always two places in order for it to work. It's in our heart and in our mouth. Next verse. For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. There's no difference if, you know, Jew or, or Greek, the same Lord over all is rich to all that call upon him. In verse 13, verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it can be as simple as Jesus saved me. He's, what, what he's looking for is, is our heart. So, anybody here need to be born again? 
Are y'all safe back there? Everybody's, everybody's safe? Okay, so what we're gonna do, we're gonna pray a prayer for people that are gonna listen to this recording, okay? And, um, and uh, so speaking to those that are listening to the recording, let's, um, let's pray. And uh, if you believe that Jesus died for you and rose again from the dead, then we make it official by what we say with our mouth and by asking Jesus to come into our heart. And you take these verses, this is my Bible evidence that I am born again. Be why? Because I did what the Bible says to do to, to be saved. And that's as easy as it is. So if you all could repeat this after me, phrase by phrase, we're going to be praying with anyone that's going to hear this recording, okay? So repeat this after me. God in heaven, I have decided to believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he died for me and rose from the dead so I can have eternal life and the blessings of this life. I repent of sin and I turn to you. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. To the best of my ability, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll live my life for you. Amen. All right. Father, thank you for those that you've received into your family right now. Just thank you for sealing them by the Holy Spirit under the day of salvation filling them with your Holy Spirit, for ordering their steps, guiding their way, and uh, bringing them to a good church in Jesus' name. So, if anyone wants prayer for anything when we dismiss, you can come, come right on up, and my wife and I will pray for you. And we're going to... Hmm? Say what? Lunch? Yes. I thought it was just snacks. No, we were blessed with the food from the funeral yesterday. Okay. They gave it to us that we could share with our congregation. Okay, would you like to close us in prayer today? Here, hold on. Here, you need this.